0: In a world of remakes, reboots, and
1: really bad films, two voice actors set out to restore light to the darkness. Get ready for Mockbusters. But just one second,
0: this is a comedy podcast. In each episode, our dynamic duo will be given a random genre, some film titles, and just a few short hours
2: to put together the ultimate trailer for their creation. But by gosh, there's a twist. They'll also be receiving wild and wacky demands from their executive producers, which they are contractually obliged to abide by. So will their movie be thrown out as trailer trash or awarded the prestigious title of Mockbuster? Please welcome your hosts, Jack Ayres and Matthew Biddle. We're back, baby! Oh yeah! Mockbuster Season 2 is here! I know you wanted to kick off the year like this. Oh boy! I've got a good feeling about 2021. Oh, don't just don't even just don't even <laughs> curse it. Because 2020 was so good. After this cursed, rotten year, we've just oh, had. I had, a, I had a great year. I came out as king of the Mockbusters, So I had an all-round bad year. I, yeah, I, I don't want to talk about any of that. Yeah, I for one had a great year. That was a joke because you were four-one in the lead at one point. I don't know if I've mentioned that before, but you were four-one in the lead, and then I won. Yeah, I was four-one uh, in the lead, and then um, obviously the the election was was rigged.
3: Oh yes, was, of course. There was a
2: fraud. There was a fraudulent mockbuster. Yeah, well, there was an influx of illegal guest judges. Yeah, I still haven't conceded actually. <laughs> if you count all the legal judges. Uh, then, yeah, you won by a lot. I actually won 4-0 with all the Oh, of judges. course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. Uh, and as as we've moved forward into a brand new year, there's also some elements of Mockbusters that have evolved and grown into new and exciting things. So... Let's get to it, shall we, Matt? So, first off the bat, we've decided to change the format regarding the genre this year because we've got some special guest judges lined up. So, we've actually decided to uh, to reduce some of the plot device's job responsibility, and so we're having our guest judges pick a genre of their choosing that we can work towards. Yeah, so uh, after the Christmas special as well, we realised that actually we're doing far better without the plot device holding us back. Yeah, but don't worry, the plot device hasn't been made completely redundant, he'll still be giving us six Randomly generated film titles for us to choose from, because uh, <laughs> because we are the kings of organisation. We completely forgot to do any call-outs for, <laughs> for audience title suggestions for this season. So by this time this airs, we'll have probably pre-recorded about five episodes. <laughs> so, so season two, episode five, that's probably where we'll start hearing some of your lovely uh, audience suggestions coming. So... As as you're listening to this, get thinking, get sending them in. And in just four episodes time. <laughs> so if you were here for audience interaction, you can you can honestly just sling your hook right now because you're not getting any this week. Absolutely not. <laughs> but also, uh we haven't done away with the the you know the all important producer requests. Oh, of course not. No. Which uh which will be provided by completely legitimate uh, celebrities, real people, and the like. Just any old bollocks. Some are a combination of all three, or none. <laughs> so you you can expect to hear some wild and wacky demands from those people as well. I should say straight off the bat as well, now there was a moment in season one where it was foretold that every mockbuster that I put together uh, would have to feature a certain character called Johnson Johnson with his infamous catchphrase of wham, bam, Fuck you. However, it's not really that funny (laughs) anymore. (laughs) Yeah, we've milked that one beyond belief. So we've ripped Gilbert Godfrey's contract up, threw it straight in the bin. And so if you've come into season two expecting every single one of my trailers to oblige by the rule of having him rock up and say, wham, bam, fuck you, then I listen to the last three episodes on repeat. (laughs) And not being funny, I'm, I'm now king of season one, so I can legally i can do whatever the fuck i want. Yeah, and i mean, we really we've really tried to be, you know, original and do something unique here. Gilbert Gottfried podcasts, they they're dime a dozen. You, you like, you know, there's there's 20 of those in the yeah. iTunes top 100 as it is. So, you can go out and listen to one of those if that is what you're after. Yeah. Every podcaster and his mom has got a Gilbert Gottfried on the podcast. Okay, so this week we are joined by a very special guest judge, and i'm really excited to have this person on the podcast because actually this person was the host of the first ever podcast that I ever listened to. So this, is, uh, this, this has been a special one for me. <laughs> Matt, would you like to hear what our special guest judge has given for us to do this week and who they are?
3: Oh, go on then. Here we go. Hi, I'm Ollie Mann and your genre this week is period drama.
2: Okay. Period drama.
3: Period drama, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, ev- everyone knows what a period
2: drama is, don't they? A lot of people will know who our guest judge Olly Mann is this week. Exactly, exactly that. Wow, what a way to kick off season two. I know, what a treat. What a treat. Okay, have you got any strong feelings in any particular direction on period drama, Matt? I guess it's going to be a relatively easy one to kind of put things together because essentially every period drama is the same. It's upper class... British people in the Victorian times moaning that they have feelings for each other, but they have feelings for other people, not necessarily though a period drama could still constitute Tudor times or like <laughs> the only thing really there in period drama is that it is set in a specific time period, <laughs> yeah, true, but it's all the same in it, really. It's Colin Firth and Kieran Knightley dicking about <laughs> getting Oscars. <laughs> There's 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 normally a part where someone's jealous about uh, someone else hanging out with an yeah, attractive yeah. person that turns out to be their brother or cousin. Yeah. And it's all yeah. a hilarious misunderstanding. Yeah, yeah. There'll be there'll be a confession scene when it's pouring down with rain. So, Jack Ayres, are you ready to hear the first six title suggestions for season two? Yes. Yes, I am. Right, here we go. Right, Jack, title number one, Dishonour. Of Dawn. Ooh, I like that. I I really like that. Yep, so that's the Dishonor of Dawn. It's a good one. It feels, feels, period. Mm -hmm. You know? Next up, we've got Wives. Without Duty. That's, that again, that's very, that really does play into a lot of a lot of period drama tropes. I feel it? like the plot device's algorithm has really, it's really come into its own. You know what, I feel like in during this lockdown over the past year, that it's like we've all just been living in a period drama, you know, like their only activity is to like, I don't know, walk around a cemetery or something. <laughs> Do you think to get by in Victorian times, they were just making banana bread and sourdough all the time? Quite possibly. Or starting up. Podcasts. Yeah, the Jane Eyre podcast is uh, really <laughs> fantastic. All went downhill when Gilbert Godfrey got involved, though. Right, title number three Doctors and Lords. Doctors and Lords, okay. What's the beef there? It sounds like there's some real beef there. Is it beef or are they teaming up? Oh, yes, yeah, a good point. Next up, feels like a spiritual successor to Doctors and Lords. Mercenaries and Women. Bit sexist, <laughs> that. It makes it sound like. Uh... Uh, women and mercenaries can't be one and the same. Why can't there be a, a female mercenary? That's what yeah. I want to know. So uh, I retract my comment about the plot device and his algorithm. It's uh, got it completely wrong this time. Disguised in androids. Okay, disguised in androids. So that would that would put a, a nice twist on the old the old period drama trope, I suppose. Title number six. Yeah. Goddess with funny socks. <laughs> 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 Uh, just when you think you know, when you think the plot device with its diminished responsibility this season might have taken things more seriously because it's worried about becoming unemployed. <laughs> she comes out with that fucking shite. do you think that's um is that wacky socks, or is that like you know she's wearing comedy socks like they've got like, like you know, our penguin bars have the bad jokes it's yeah just, she's all her socks have got a a one liner on it all her socks are like a bad snoopy comic, <laughs> so it's uh <laughs> we get to this point every time we pretend like nothing's gonna happen. I don't know whether I prefer that or just acknowledging that everything's gonna go fucking south now it's gonna happen. <laughs> oh, Matt, is that your phone ringing? Uh, yes, it is my phone ringing. Yep. Okay. Do you want to, you want to get that? Yeah, I think I will. I'll, I'll answer it. Right, right, I'll put it on speaker. Uh, okay. Yep. Hello. 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 Matthew, hello. Yes, hi. How can I help? Hi, Matthew, it's me. Yeah, yeah you who? It, it, it's me, uh, Martin Historical. Martin Historic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how can I help? Is it Mr. Historical? Uh, Mr. Historical, yes. Or, or Mar- Martin to my friends. Am I your friend? No, Mr. Historical. i <laughs> oh, just, oh brilliant. I'll just go fuck myself. Alright, how can I help, Mr. Okay. Historical? Uh, so, so basically, the the way this is going to work is that uh, I'm going to be acting as your uh, advisor and on set expert uh, for all things uh, period. Uh, I, uh-huh. I'm, I'm famous for um, sort of making blatant and glaring inaccuracies in costume, prop, uh, events, and behaviour of whatever time period it is I'm advising on. Uh, uh, okay. They, they actually named the term <laughs> "historical inaccuracies" after my surname rather than history. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> why why are you in a job? Why are you still working if this keeps happening? Oh, I went to I went to Eton. Oh uh, yeah, okay. That that makes m- much more sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, uh, uh, everything sound okay. Okay with that? Well, I've not really got much of a choice, have I, really, Martin? No, no. I, I don't really mind what. Uh, <clears throat> there's no. There's no other uh, other requirements. You can set it whenever you like. You can right, set it in so whatever d- you know world world you like. But whatever okay. time it is, it <laughs> has to be riddled uh, with complete inaccuracies for the time that it is in. Right. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's it. It could. Yeah. It could be. Uh. Could be TikTok in Tudor times. It could be. No. I'm gonna hang uh, up. Uh, I'm gonna hang up. I'm gonna hang up. I'm gonna hang up. It, I'm hang up. it, it could I'm be hang up. Video I'm hang up. in Victorian I've, times. I've ended the call. It I've ended be, the call. It uh, could be mammoths in the mid-sixties. I, uh, I don't I really mind. Anything. Don't really mind. Fine. Right. Bye, Martin. Okay. Goodbye now. Uh, it's Mr. Historical to you. Yep. Bye. Goodbye now. You know what? That's actually pretty tame by executive producer standards. Yeah, well, I think I think what he was thinking was uh, let, let's be nice and you know open things up civil uh, and not not you know just kind of fucking ruin the other person's life. Um, and I, I hope that'll be considered moving forward. Yeah, well, I guess that just depends on if your executive producer is on this Zoom call or not, <laughs> Jack. I think that is your phone ringing. You think? You don't sound convinced. No, I'm actually... I've now decided I'm certain it's your phone ringing. Oh, okay, Yeah, yeah, cool, so you better cool, answer cool. That. Well, let me just... Let me just get that. Hello? Hello, Jack. Hello. It's me. Hello. Hello, you... Oh, you. It's me, Graham Vaj. Graham Vaj. Hello, Graham.
1: Yes, me, Graham Vaj. <laughs> you might know me as CEO... Of um, C- CEO. Yes. Of, of the of the Graham Vag. <laughs> Keep it
2: tampon. together, Graham. Come on. <laughs> mm.
1: You might know me as the CEO of Graham Vag Tampon Company.
2: Oh, I fucking knew it. I fucking now you know knew where this it. is going,
1: don't you? Right. Well, I got your phone number. Uh, from from y- y- a former guest judge, Helen Potter, who I'm obliged to say is great. Fabulous and really fucking funny, uh, and that's all I'll say on that matter. Anyway, is,
2: is is she actually endorsing this message? Yes, she is actually endorsing this message. Yes. Okay. Okay. Okay.
1: <laughs> um, so we've just come out with a brand new tampon called the menstruate Eight. And basically, this is a brand new one-size-fits-all tampon, which you can wear for up to eight days, no problem. Now, we are giving you an absolute shit-ton of money, so you can cast anyone you want, massive budget, whatever you want. But your film must endorse the brand new Menstrual Tampon, because it's a Period drama.
2: Yeah, it's so so witty, Graham. I, I I absolutely didn't think of this coming whatsoever. <laughs> and may I say it, Graham? You you don't really sound like the person that I would uh, choose or want to be running a tampon company.
1: Why? <laughs> <laughs> well, finish that thought. <laughs>
2: I mean, I don't even want to finish it now, because I suppose I've made quite a bold assumption in that you're a man.
1: Yes! (laughs) Well, there we fucking go! But I've got a wife!
2: Oh, no. Right, well, I suppose it was too much to ask that... that... that we wouldn't have had... someone with the surname Vag on episode one...
1: Right, oh, it's, it's spelled
2: V A J J. Right, you know what? I I don't I don't care enough. I'm I'm going to go and make a start on this.
1: You've got a massive budget, remember? <sighs> yes, I know. The more you mention the menstruate, the more money you get. Right, okay, okay. it's got loads of yes, features.
2: fine, fine, fine. I'll I'll see. It's you really around. good. I'll see you around, Graham. Goodbye. Goodbye. We've got nine
1: point five out of ten good on on pilot.
2: Hanging up. I I I just knew this was coming. I just, yeah. knew, I just knew it was coming. Well, I'm, I hope you're prepared. I hope you've prepared for that eventuality then. You know what? I I, I actually didn't because I was... Uh, just I was, hoping. I was, I was hoping, just hoping beyond hope <laughs> that it wouldn't so that I didn't have to traumatise a guest judge that I've, I've admired for many years. Well, Jack, you know, we're, <laughs> I'm just continuing our trend of highbrow content, you know. Okay, so we've both got equally disgusting mm. producer requests. Yeah, I'm I'm sickened to my stomach with the historical inaccuracies I'll have to implement. Well, let's just say that that Martin may be back next week and he'll remember this. <laughs> yes, the the inaccuracies remember. He'll have he'll have changed his surname to um Martin got the shits <laughs> or something. <laughs> Martin Martin's in sperm <laughs> Okay, cool. <right. laughs> so we've got our executive demands. We know what we're working with. So, with the power of season two editing, I'll see you in just a few short seconds. I'll see you in a bit. Tira! Bye. Hello, and welcome back to Mockbusters, the first episode of season two. Matt. How did you get on with your inaugural Season 2 trailer? You know what, Jack? I am so full of confidence. Uh, af- after my glorious comeback in Season 1, I suddenly felt this resounding sense of nerves when I was putting this trailer together. And I was like, did I get through Season 1 as a complete fraud? Was it a fluke? Um, started second-guessing everything I did. But then I stripped it back down to basics. And I'm I'm pretty excited to see... It, to see what, what you think of, of what I've given you this week. Wow, wow, there's clearly a lot of thought gone into that. Oh, I, don't, I wouldn't say that much thought's gone into it, to be honest. <laughs> okay, well, I guess we'll have to see, won't we? I'm right where I belong. I, I love an underdog story. Uh, I, uh-huh. I've, you know, I've spent long enough supporting Wales in sports to be fully comfortable in, in making comebacks at the final hour. So, you know, I, I'm right where I need to be. Well, it's not really the final hour, is it? It's it's the, the first hour. We never know with this podcast, Matt. Every, every episode could be the last. OK, great. So, uh, our guest judge this week is someone that I've admired for a very long time and I'm really excited to, uh, to have on the show. Uh, our guest today is a writer, presenter, columnist and podcaster who has presented hundreds of hours of radio from LBC to Radio 4, has written for countless publications from Reader's Digest to The Observer and is behind some of the UK's best-loved podcasts, from The Modern Man to The Week Unwrapped to Answer Me This, which has achieved over 30 million downloads to date. Ladies and gentlemen,
3: please welcome Ollie Mann. How are you doing, Ollie? I'm very well, thank you. I feel a bit like I was dead. I was listening to my obituary there. (laughs) (laughs) What did Stephen Burkhoff say? (laughs) Um, Anyway... I'm not dead. Good, I'm here.
2: Ollie, as I spoke to you, um, and the reason why I wanted to ask you to be on this podcast was because back in 2007, when I was green as grass, listening on my iPod Classic, Answer Me This was actually the first podcast that I ever listened
3: to. Me too. I couldn't be bothered to <laughs> listen to anyone else's. <laughs> no, no background research much required. I've just listened to my own voice on loop ever since. <laughs> I've no idea what else is going on in the
2: world. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's probably the the thing with a lot of podcasters, is you're doing so much podcasting work yourself that, you know, it's kind of out of work hours. You don't want to be listening to any more podcasts, potentially.
3: <laughs> Actually, the, I mean, I do. I love the medium of podcasts. And this is this is a good one. Well done. Um, <laughs> I love listening to other people's shows and finding new ones. But actually, the serious point is that if you do make your own shows and edit your own shows, as I do, I've never done the button pressing edit, but I've always done like the paper edit, you know, I've been quite forensic and careful about it. Yeah, I do spend probably half of my commuting time pre pandemic slash walking around my village time now, listening to my own voice. And it is... Sometimes it's just in an inescapable thing that I've listened to more of myself than anyone else, but that's because I'm the person who's improving it all the time. So yeah, it's quite hard for me to get a sense of what other people think of my shows (laughs) because I listen to them more than anyone
2: else. It's it's obviously clear to see, with quite the astounding amount of people who have listened to Answer Me This, The Modern Man, and all of your other various projects, that you're clearly doing something very well.
3: (laughs) I'd like to think. I mean, you know, as you say, 2007, I mean, Christ, you know, we were sort of... We weren't really innovators because people had been podcasting in the UK independently for two or three years before... I say we, this is me, Helen Zaltzman and Martin Austwick behind Answer Me This, before we came along. But most of those shows were shows about technology, like basically two nerds talking about Windows 95. um, (laughs) The idea that we were doing something a bit different to that, so a comedy format in the the case of Answer Me This where we answer our listeners' questions, I suppose that made us slightly unique and so we have been doing it a very long time, so you'd like to think that we've kind of learned something doing it. But I, I think it's a mistake to always... Just assume that that's it. You know what you're doing. You know, you've got to keep uh, yeah, keep, yeah. keep on yeah. learning.
2: Did you ever think back in the sort of... I think I joined in about maybe episode 30 or something like that. How long was it, do you think, before you realised, OK, we've really got something here, and this is a medium that is going to turn into the behemoth thing yeah. that it's
3: become now? Well, it's interesting because it really wasn't until Serial came along that it became obvious that podcasting was a thing that you'd like read about in Grazia and Heat, you know? yeah. Like, before then, it was still a culty thing, and then it changed. So like, you know, now we're in a world of whatever, Fern Cotton's happy place. And, you know, everyone's got a podcast. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a very trendy art form now, isn't it? Yeah. So that changed late. But to answer your question, like, I think we thought on episode 13, oh, this is really good. But we were wrong. I mean, I've since listened to episode 13 and it's horse shit. So I don't think we were actually good, <laughs> like really good until, um, if I may say so myself, until we've been going for about five years. Because you find your own voice, I think, as a broadcaster, you know, and um, a lot of it's lived experience. And I I think I I became a better talker uh, once my father had died, once I'd become a father, once I'd got my own property and a mortgage and stuff I actually have more to talk about than I did when I was 25 so it's not that I I was probably good when I was 25 for a 25 year old but I listen to it now and I just think oh Christ what are you talking about and why do you sound weird <laughs> Well, that's quite a nice segue because um, I wanted to talk to you as well about
2: It's a Man's World the column that you write for the Reader's Digest you've recently wrote a column about theatre and you know how difficult it's it's been for people I was wondering what what sort of things have have moved in to fill the theatrical void for you, you know, in 2020? In and where are you sort of getting those kicks from now?
3: I'm not. And I, no. I do miss it. <laughs> like, I've, I, There's a part of me that really miss it. I, I like being in the same room as other people and having a communal experience with them. I've never liked... I was about to say I've never liked dancing. That's not true. I quite like being at a wedding (laughs) and strutting my stuff with someone's nan. But I've never liked going to nightclubs, you know. Yeah. And even live music, I always just feel a little bit like I'm not cool enough to be here. Uh, And actually, even comedy gigs, I I kind of just... I I can't turn off my internal critic that's editing my own work and listening to someone else on stage and thinking, oh, that was a bit easy. Like, oh, God. But, you know, oh, you're going to do a joke about shoes now, are you? So the thing that I really like is theatre because... It is a planned piece of work. It's unlikely to involve audience participation, um, so I can relax. And I am watching and experiencing the same thing as everyone else in that room. I love musicals in particular, but I I really like contemporary drama as well. There's just, I mean, when it's good, it's the best, isn't it? I mean, film is, the the great thing about film, and you explore this on on this podcast, I think, is that even the shit films are kind of fun. Like, Mm -hmm. and even a trailer for a shit film is kind of fun because it's almost self-parody in a way that theatre isn't because you're then stuck in the fucking room for three hours if it's terrible, yeah. you know? Yeah, <laughs> It's a commitment, theatre, so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas film, there's an element of where you can admire the music, you can pause it, you know, you can sort of, you know, whatever, get off your tits whilst you're watching Stop it. watching. Yeah, it's just not the same. Um, but theatre when it's good, I just think is electrifyingly good and I love it. Absolutely. Yeah, I really miss it and I'm really looking forward to spunking loads of money on theatre tickets next year. <laughs> Amazing.
2: Yeah, I think I've been struggling with that a little bit as well. I've been trying to watch a lot of, you know, sort of live readings and things like that. But it's just so hard to to recreate the feeling of actually, you know, being in that room with someone.
3: Something is lost through a screen. It also, it makes it look worse. Like when I watch theatre recordings on film, it's such a bad way to try and convince people who don't like theatre to go to the theatre to show them a a filmed performance. Because it just looks like a bad film. Yeah, because yeah. on a technical scale, like acting for stage and acting for screen
2: are completely different right. completely different activities. So when you're filming people acting for stage, they're playing for the room. So when you try and kind of contain that in the screen, it just comes across as like really over the top and and over exaggerated and unrealistic. So it's really, really difficult to uh, kind of split the difference, I-, I always find, with recorded stages. Halfway through, like, Pulp Fiction, you don't have someone running on and moving the chairs.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's his own art form. And it's like, you know, I feel like this very strongly as well about the difference between radio and podcasting, too. I mean, you mentioned in your intro, you know, I've done both. They're different things. And, of course, they're very similar. But the thing about podcasting is right now, most people that are listening to this, we're in their ears. We're literally in their headphones, in, on their head. Um, or perhaps we we're coming out of a car speaker, but they're probably alone right now. And when you listen to this, it's just different to when you listen passively to something that just happens to be on the radio. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it's it's really useful, isn't it, to try and understand the medium that you're operating in.
2: So I suppose it's about time that we move into our trailers. And the the uh, genre that you requested this week, Ollie, was period drama. So... Mm. We've uh, we've been drawing some titles from our plot device, some randomly generated titles that we will be using to create our film. Matt, do you want to tell us what we got? Okay, Ollie. So I hope you're sitting comfortably. There's uh, these all feel pretty genre appropriate. That doesn't mean they're any less ridiculous. So top number one. First off, we had Dishonor of Dawn. Ooh. So. I know that that could be immediately off the top of my head. I just thought there's there's got to be a character in there called Dawn. And
3: called she's Dawn, been dishonored. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but also presumably at Dawn or or at Dawn
2: at the yeah, beginning yeah, of yeah. the day. Yeah, exactly. So she's
3: been shamed at the beginning of the day mm-hmm. in I some know. way. Double Dawn,
2: yeah. Dawn squared. I like it. Uh, top number two, we had wives without
3: duty. Nice. Uh, next up, we had doctors and lords. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is that the spin-off BBC One Daytime series? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: <laughs> and, well, you've got a spin-off of the spin-off here, because title number four, we had Mercenaries and Women. Mm. I mean, it's all right. It's not the remains of the day, is it? No, no. it's it's definitely not. <laughs> Tart number five, uh, this one is when it the plot device kind of dropped the ball a little bit. Disguised in androids. So it's, it, okay. it's, it's somewhat forgotten the entire... Yeah, it's not what you'd not there. what you typically expect from a period drama, I'd say. But that can be a nice surprise, can't yeah, it? Yeah, can very be. true. You know,
3: I mean, arguably, Gladiator is a period drama. You know? Yeah, I mean, You're sometimes not wrong. it's nice to, to blend genres together. And of course, there's and- loads of androids in Gladiator. So well, <laughs> <laughs> but you can have a kind of retro sci-fi, can't you? Like yeah. War of the Worlds type. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, time machine. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. And then finally, gets me every time. Our final title, Goddess. With funny socks, so Shueyin fell in the bottom Carter. I would say, lead. absolutely, of course, of course, absolutely. There's
2: something, there's something very Tim Burton about that, isn't there? So, Ollie, <laughs> out of out of all of those titles you've heard so far, are there yes. any out there that are just immediately jumping towards you?
3: I think Dishonor of Dawn. I think you probably started with the best. To be perfectly honest, yeah, yeah, that is probably the one out of all of those that I would. I mean, I wouldn't pay to see any of those, <laughs> but if there was a. If there was a film on Netflix called Dishonour of Dawn, I'd watch the first 10 minutes and see if if I liked it. If
2: you're getting ready to go out somewhere and you've got ITV2 on in the background and it starts, (laughs) you'll probably occasionally glance over to it. But on top of those titles, of course, we didn't have complete freedom because we had our executive producers give us a phone call to wreak mayhem upon us. Jack, you had a rather interesting request, didn't you? I did, yes. Um and I'm I'm so sorry to to do this Ollie because somewhat predictably, because of the name of the category, I have been given the task of trying to promote through uh, my film uh, a range of sanitary products named Menstru8. So I've been uh-huh. tasked with dropping in as many advertising and uh sort of features of this product throughout the the uh, trailer as much as I can. It's a
3: very yeah, it's a it's a very topical thing isn't it? And exactly. period poverty, it you is. know. Yep, getting exactly. everyone on board. Yes. Very yes.
2: relevant obviously with Scotland passing that vote recently as well. That's right. And Matt, you had a call from uh, a renowned uh, film historian, didn't you? Yes, I had a phone call from famous film historian Martin Historical. Uh, infamous, of course, uh, for being uh, <laughs> relentlessly inaccurate with his historical research. So, obviously, with having him on board, that of course meant that my period drama had to be completely historically inaccurate for the period in which I chose to set it. So quite
3: open. So in other words, just a Hollywood period drama, then. <laughs> Basically, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, bearing those two things in mind, Ollie, is there any way you're particularly leaning with what, which one of us you would like to hear from? First,
3: I think if we don't get the period jokes out of the way, I'll just be worried. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just the elephant. No, I know the room. that's what we're in for. Yeah, I'd rather not just be another. I'd rather not sit on that elephant. Let's let's let him out.
2: Okay, good. I, I'm really glad about that. I'm, I'm really glad about that. Let's just let's just do it. Here is my film trailer. It takes a great deal in order to run a house like this. So many moving parts all interlocking perfectly to create a working whole. They say the ideal house should emulate a swan, moving serenely and effortlessly on the surface, but underneath consumes a lot of bread and will kill your dog if it trespasses. Droid Manor is no different. The droid family have occupied this estate for seven generations. They have seen empires rise and fall. But like all families, they are not entirely without their drama. I simply
4: can't bear it, Thomas. We have to be together. We love one another.
2: I'm sorry, Miss Droid. I'm only the tailor's apprentice. They'll never allow it. I told you,
4: call me Anne. And if we can't be together legally, then we'll have to find another way. But how, Miss? I have a new position coming up for a lady-in-waiting. And with your skills making clothing, I think I just might have an idea.
2: Presenting Lady Anne Droid and her fourth cousin, twice removed, Elizabeth Droid. How do you do? Anne, where have you been hiding this delectable young thing? Mm. right, mate. I'm Elizabeth. Don't you see?
4: It's perfect, Thomas. We can be together in secret, and no one will ever know. I don't trust this Elizabeth, not one bit. I've been here for over 50 years, and I'm telling you, I know when someone's bad for Droid Manor beg my intrusion, miss, but I've been doing your washing and bedsheets for some months now, and I can't help but notice you've never had your time of the month, if you'll forgive my crudeness, my lady.
2: <clears throat> uh, no, it's because um, I've been using this new product from London called Menstruate. It's one size fits all, and you can wear it for up to eight days. Pretty good.
4: Well, that sounds just marvellous, ma'am. I don't suppose you could pick some more up next time you're in the city, could you? I'm sure the girls would love
2: some. Uh, yeah, sure.
4: They're beginning to suspect something, Thomas. You have to make this product. Not only will it delay any concerns, it'll improve the quality of life for all the women here at the manor. And maybe... even the world.
2: I can't help but notice Lady Elizabeth is spending a lot of time in her room, and the housekeepers have reported various textiles going missing of late.
4: With my knowledge, and your tailor skills we could create something groundbreaking I've had quite enough of this dithering Anne, you're 17 you're not going to be young forever you will be married to the 54 year old Lord Montague Friction Burns I don't know what to do Thomas, I am to be wed at the end of the month we have to flee here move to London, we can patent the menstruate and use any proceeds to build a new life, where we can live freely as ourselves oh I wish it were that simple Thomas I love you but Droid Manor is my home.
2: Disguised in an droids. So that was my film trailer, dis- dis- disguised in an You know what, Jack? So straight off the the back of that, I've got to say, good for you. Because obviously, I set you up to. I mean, your executive producer set you up to to fail there. But I've I felt you handled that with grace. With class and elegance, I would say. So, so good job for you. Well, you know what? I thought <laughs> I'm not going to go where <laughs> where this guy thinks that <laughs> I might go, and I'm going to make this thing uh, an inspiring period drama that uh, you know that doesn't just shamelessly cash in. What I'm going to do is I'm going to make an inspiring backstory
3: for this brand that they are proud to advocate. The vibe I was getting actually on that point was: uh, Have you ever seen Joy? The film about the woman who invented the miracle mop. Oh yes, what the? Yeah, yeah the Jennifer, Jennifer Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. There was vibes of that coming around the the brand origin of menstruate. I felt. Yeah. Like actually, it could it could form quite a significant part of the story. It wasn't just tacked on. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I thought that was you know potentially quite good.
2: That's what I really wanted to do. I didn't want it to just be, you know, something that was, as you say, it was a coat of paint at the end. I wanted it to be integral to the plot and integral to, you know, life in droid manner. So is android an android? Is... No, a complete coincidence. Are you, are you not concerned that that's then misleading for the sci-fi fans that, you know, wouldn't normally go anywhere near a period drama? Having heard, oh, this one's about androids. They They pay the money to go and see it. And there's not a single cybernetic person or character in in the film. Are you not concerned about that, no, Matt. Because actually, if you if you look at the title of the film, it's um, it's disguised in uh, and how it's actually spelt is A N N E space D R O Y D D. Right. So it's, what it's, you're saying, it's, it's, what <laughs> you're saying is you've modified the title. Uh, wh- where where was I given the title written? I I I only heard it. I I I can only go with what I you know what I, I interpret over the sound that I'm you know provided with over, over the airwaves. You know what? I'm not. It's not even worth arguing.
1: <laughs> I'm just going
2: to move on. Good. I think I think that's right. And you know we we've we really struggled to get all of the the tropes from period drama in here. So you know we've got a um a meddlesome haughty old woman who. <laughs> who takes all her life's joy from just just making life difficult for the lead protagonist. Uh, sure, sure.
3: I, I, I may say, actually, as a fan of the meddlesome haughty old woman as a sort of central figure in these <laughs> dramas... I'd have probably liked to have heard that a little bit earlier in the trailer. Okay, I was I was waiting. I was thinking, okay, but where's the role for Imelda Stawson here? <laughs> yeah. It was a bit. I think it's very important with that kind of country house drama that there's a layer of humour. Yeah, and I felt like you were going for the high drama early on in the trailer. I understood stakes were high, people needed to go to London, something else happened. <laughs> <laughs> a love, that's it. Yeah, an affair <laughs> or something. But I kind of immediately wanted someone saying, oh, you should never marry her. She looks like she smells of fish or whatever the thing would be. Yeah. I just thought that could have come in earlier. OK, OK. Um, to, to reassure me that this would be a layered period drama, which would have the drama, but also have the caustic wit. OK, and, yeah. And comment about class as well. I felt like I felt like I didn't hear many working class voices in that trailer. And of course, the I know that, yeah. A country house drama really depends on that upstairs downstairs dynamic i, w- I wanted to know who who's going to be fucking the ground keeper basically and where is he well yeah
2: i mean I, m- maybe i didn't convey it very well in my voice acting but um as as you'll remember thomas who's disguised as elizabeth droid he's actually the tailor's apprentice and right. he's he, he grew up in the east end of london before being picked up at a very young age and moved to this uh moved to this estate where he was taken on as an apprentice so he is the central figure in in the film is he is the one who is disguised in androids right and who did you who did you cast uh timothy chalamet timothy chalamet oh yeah famous working class british actor (laughs) timothy chalamet yeah Yeah. we we got timothy chalamet and we uh, so saoirse ronan's in it as well then no it's actually lily james plays android right
3: of course of course i mean i'm there obviously yeah (laughs) Um, but i just would have liked to have heard a little bit more of like Caught a me, Mrs. Droid. I've been working in your shed for ten years and I can't believe I finally get to sit at the dining table with all you great people. I would like to hear a, a bit of that. You get in you get the sense of that aspiration, you get the sense that this person's been belittled. Yeah. Well there is Someone more of for. that
2: in, in the uh, in the full film because of course Thomas, he's really struggling to fit in, in this um in this droid manner because he doesn't know which which knives and forks to use. He doesn't know which he mm. doesn't oh, know all of that. Right. So he's learning as he goes. And that leads to many, uh, many a mishap and a scrape throughout the adventure. And there's also the the, um, the chambermaid. I think that's what you'd call it. <laughs> she is the one who discovers and almost potentially outs Thomas, and you know, right. sort of leads on to the, the creation of these uh, menstruate. And she also has a larger role to play in the film as well. So you've you've also you've cast a working class British actor in her role as well. I assume. Uh, yes, yes, I have. Uh, who uh it's maxine peak it's maxine peak it's okay maxine peak. <laughs> all right yeah. no i'm um, um you've piqued my interest now now i'm mm. interested Ooh, there we go you're potentially not going to like this but i think it fits for the character so it's not going to be any more working class lord montague friction burns is played by simon callow
3: right i love right. a bit of yeah, simon yeah. callow mm. underrepresented i think in in the film world yeah so he's I in agree, there as a bit of
2: a sort of comedy toff kind of role mm. he's mm. there you know we've got the butler who who were doing a lot of the voiceover for you there who's played by jason isaacs
3: ah i do right. love jason yeah. isaacs I, I was getting like hugh grant hugh bonneville type vibes but i wasn't sure who that was
2: it, it would have helped if i decided that earlier <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, he, well, of course he, he had a cold didn't he when he did the recording that's why he sounds a little bit off yeah, yeah. he had a cold and a different vocal cord.
3: i also noticed that there wasn't a visiting American. Which is quite important for the international audience, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, a little bit you know what I mean? I was just missing like the random bit where Keanu Reeves comes in, you know, I was yeah, missing yeah. that. It only needs to be a five minute scene. It's just enough to go in the trailer. Like in Bram Stoker's Dracula.
2: I, I have no further questions, Jack. I actually I commend you on a, on a job well done. Now for something completely different. So are you all sitting comfortably? Yes, very comfortable. Excellent, then. I present to you my period drama.
0: London, England, under the reign of Queen Victoria.
2: God save King George!
0: <laughs> Academy Award nominee Kira Knightley.
5: Oh, Mother, must I really go to the Camelot Ball?
0: Academy Award winner Dame Maggie Smith. Oh, Ophelia, you're 20 years of age now. You've almost passed your prime. If you don't find a suitor, then you'll bring great shame upon this family. Now, for heaven's sake, take those ridiculous comedy socks off.
5: Fine. I'll go to the ball, Mumsy. But these socks were Papa's last gift to me before he died on the Titanic. They're embroidered with shit jokes that I love. I take them off for no man.
0: BAFTA award winner, Hugh Grant. Must I really go to the Camelot Ball, father? Well, I'm only 40 years old. I have all the time in the world to court a lady. Academy Award nominee, Sir Ian McKellen. Dixon, you might be a well-decorated space marine, but the family has a reputation to uphold. I didn't risk my life in the Battle of Hastings to see my only boy, brideless. I want you ready in fifteen minutes. I'll be waiting in the Aston Martin. Two hopeless romantics. One enchanted evening. Excuse me, my lady, I couldn't help but notice the jokes uh, stitched upon your stockings. uh, Might I be so bold as to read one?
5: You could read one from my ankle. I'm reserving the jokes above my knee for marriage. What's
0: red and smells like blue paint?
5: Oh, I don't know. What is red and smells like blue paint?
0: red paint oh oh oh, yes that, that is rather amusing I'd very much like to read more um my name is space commander Dixon Balls
5: a pleasure I'm Ophelia Hardon
0: Lady Ophelia Might I have this dance?
5: Oh, gosh. Space
0: Commander Balls. Uh, Yes, of course. An unforgettable meeting with a spectacular ballroom sequence. Presenting this evening's maestro, all the way from France, it's Jonathan, Duke of Lille. Would you please?
1: Yeah! Lille John, this one for all your esteemed lords and ladies up in this shit! Brand and Prejudice! Ladies, turn around, grand on his. Drop it down, go to town on his. Fellas, that, put your hand on her. Swing that till her goes.
0: Sparks fly for our young lovers.
5: Oh, please do read another one, Dixon.
0: Uh, okay, uh, how do you make a pirate furious?
5: Pray tell, Dixon. How would one make a pirate furious?
0: Uh, take away the P. Oh, right, yes, because of course that would spell irate. Wow, that is, uh, that is equal parts clever and amusing.
5: (laughs) Oh, I concur.
0: And I find you equal parts radiant and charming.
5: Oh, Dixon, take me now on top of this woolly mammoth we're sitting on.
0: But their love will be tested. How did Count Wellington Smythe know the punchline to the lobster joke, Ophelia?
5: Dixon, I can
0: explain. That particular joke is embroidered on the thigh of your left sock. Well... He's seen your socks, Ophelia, just admit it. He's been oogling up and down your legs like a pound shop joke book. Well, he could have
5: just read them on the internet.
0: Oh, oh yes. Actually, I've realized that totally makes sense in this time period. Anyway, I've seen the way you look at Countess Kardashian. Countess Kardashian means nothing to me. Anyway, she's soon to be wed to Lord Yeezy. I I love you, Ophelia. Let's make it Facebook official. Oh, Dixon. Already nominated for every single Academy Award. Oh, Ophelia. When I first laid eyes on you, I saw not a lady, but... A goddess, a goddess with funny socks. Your mum and nan will love it.
2: So that is <laughs> goddess with funny socks. I mean, we've got to get, we've got to get <clears throat> the, you know, the main thing out out of the way straight out of the gates. Mm-hmm. So little John does the soundtrack.
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, Lil
2: John uh, in this in this case because he's he's the Duke of Lil in France. Oh, I so. see. I, yeah, see. I, yeah. I corrected it to Little John because I assumed that, you know that that's that's where you were going to be going with that. But no. Oh no no of course of course not. Yeah, well, it's it's Lil John in real life, but it's he plays Jonathan Duke of Lil uh, within the film. Yeah. I see. I see. Because obviously it had to be historically inaccurate, and what is more historically inaccurate for? <laughs> For a Victorian period drama, than whatever the hell I just made. <laughs> Do you want to run us through some of the the inaccuracies? Just just, just... so it's it's set in Victorian London uh, under the reign of King George. Yeah. Uh, there's also T Rexes and woolly mammoths within the film. Uh, Hugh Grant's character is Space Commander Dixon Balls, who was in the Space Marines. Of course, Lil John is there, providing uh, a nice club anthem uh, for the for the ballroom sequences. And there's the Aston Martin, Countess Kardashian, played by Kim Kardashian. and Played
3: by Kim Kardashian, and she didn't even get a credit in the trailer.
2: <laughs> yes, of course. What I've done is I've played you the British trailer. In the American right. trailer, she's top billing. Uh, because that, again, as you were saying, Ollie, that gets the international market in there straight away. So oh, yeah. Yeah. That would
3: make sense maybe why the sexual line that was in there was quite so direct. Uh, that would, I think maybe more for an American audience Take Me Now, I believe it was <laughs> On top of the woolly mammoth Yeah, I'm discarding the woolly mammoth Because you've explained that historical <laughs> inaccuracy Was an important part of the process And I appreciate you need your funding <laughs> Yes, of course, of course But Take Me Now is something that I've never heard Emma Thompson say Well, I never necessarily um, said that was a sexual thing It could be, you know, take me To the fair To the
2: fair, take me to the bathroom
3: uh, Take me yes. the to be in Embargains even more Well, n- not, if, not if she doesn't know where it is, you know they're at the Camelot ball, so... I just wonder if a trick was missed because you've sexualized the the socks brilliantly. Like, I, I got that the socks... Mm-hmm. Were, like, what laid beneath the socks yeah. was the tantalising glimpse of an ankle. Yes. And in, in this restricted, buttoned-up world, mm-hmm. you know, that could represent all kinds of sexual liberation. Yeah, yeah. And I just felt that was slightly ruined by Take Me Now. I thought there's probably some middle ground <laughs> sure, between sure. you've got a sexy ankle I'd like to see and fuck me on the back of this mammoth. Do you know what I mean? Like, somewhere... <laughs> Somewhere <laughs> that you could say, "Oh okay, he's trying to say it, but he can't you know I think that's what you'd pay to see that film to see no really, you're, you you're know, absolutely right that was that was nice and direct
2: restrained. for the for the international market because you yeah. know the big the big thing with this and what sets this period drama apart from the other period dramas is we we use the historical inaccuracies, so we've got something in there for everyone you know we've got sci-fi we've got deep prehistoric history, uh, but we've got something more direct you know sometimes. You know, we, we've seen all these films where ev- everything's bubbling under the surface, you know, and and, and and the drama's the conflict of emotions, whereas sometimes... So we thought we'd dispense just... with that <laughs> entirely. Yeah, no, no, not dispense, but sometimes, sometimes we decided to make the conscious decision to indulge it a little bit, you know, to really set it apart, to really make the people that are kind of maybe watching a period drama on autopilot to make their ears prick up and go, oh, mm. oh, they've actually said it. They've said what they're thinking. For me,
3: that is a moment of... A great moment of liberation for Ophelia. Yeah, but it's a, it's a convincing defence, but, I mean, it's you're obviously not someone who likes period <laughs> drama. I mean, it's got a scene in the rain. That's important. Exactly, exactly. A big confession scene in the rain. It was like, you know, don't get carried away with passion. We're in Britain. Mm-hmm, exactly. You know, like, at the moment that things are getting hot and horny... Mm-hmm. Get the rain, call cool it down. Here comes the rain. Cue the rain.
2: <laughs> don't let things get carried away. Come inside and listen to Lil John again. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> He's doing a slow one at the minute. Just paint this picture for me so Lil, Lil John's playing, and uh-huh. they're do are they doing you know sort of period accurate dances to that yeah it, no so it's it's a brand new kind of hybrid dance that suggests you know the waltz and foxtrot, old old time fashion, but then you get much more modern sort of hip hop and street
3: styles okay. um, in the new dance that's called grind and Prejudice. That's a great title. That's a better title than all the titles that you have. That's a better name, actually. That's that's better than any of the names you've used. Oh, well, that's actually the international name as well. So <laughs> oh, right. is
2: it? How that's convenient, isn't it? Yeah, it is convenient, Jack. I know how to work the market, mate. That's why I won season one.
3: I, oh. I weirdly don't have a problem with the historical accuracy of the music. Uh, I can I can visualise that ballroom scene. It doesn't concern me if I knew that was the style of the piece. Yeah, but it feels a bit in, unbalanced. You know, you've got one scene with Little John in it, mm-hmm. but, but then, we've actually got I'm... seven scenes with. <laughs> right, okay. we've got seven Little John scenes in it. I yeah. see. I feel like in both films, no one goes to war, and that's maybe a problem. Well, actually,
2: there's uh, as you hear that um,
3: as Hugh we Grant's didn't character. Hear. We didn't hear you, it at all. You
2: did. Hugh Grant is is a space commander, so he, he, it does show you a flashback of of the infamous space battles he's been involved in. Uh, right. Ian McKellen's character fought in the Battle of Hastings, 1066. It's not such um, a sexy
3: war, though. No, oh, the, Hastings, the way the way
2: the way we did it, you know, <laughs> Hastings. I mean, I just think it's
3: important <laughs> to get the uniforms. That's all. You know, I'm not. I'm not. I wasn't hearing the scene where the, it's goodbye. I'm sorry. I, I may never see you again.
2: That 11th century uh, armor you see Sir Ian in. Whoa. <laughs> Well, yeah. we actually had, uh, had a war in our film as well, because, I, I mean, it's not featured in the trailer, but just after... Excuse me, Jack, we're not talking moved, about
3: your film. I think your chance I, did I sort of, think I did he opened it up to both of us. To, so. Yeah, I did.
2: We actually, just after we moved to London, as he's getting the menstruate patented... A war is called and he is conscripted and actually the the main use of the menstruate for several years afterwards was, was four gunshot wounds. It, it kind of ties in very nicely to both.
3: So is there room for a
2: sequel? I'm curious to know. Oh, there's so much room for a sequel. You know, we've, we've barely tapped in. Um, Lil John's well happy to <laughs> come back and do at least three more.
3: goddess with funny knickers goddess with funny uh, undergarments shoelaces you know goddess with funny shoelaces goddess
2: with novelty t-shirt
3: yeah yeah there's there's so many there's just so
2: Mm. many accessories that we can print rubbish jokes on uh, and make a period drama out of. With that, I think it's probably time that yeah. we move into our final part of the show, the pitch fight. So we'll both get 60 seconds of time. 30 seconds? 30 seconds? Oh, Bloody was it hell. Si- oh, okay, 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 <laughs> okay. I've got it wrong, I've got it wrong. We'll both get 30 <laughs> seconds of time to try and convince you, Ollie, to pick our film to be this week's Mockbuster. With everything that you've heard so far, is there anyone that you would like to hear from first?
3: Uh, I always find that it's sort of easier to reward the person you've heard most recently uh this has been a problem in my career where i've auditioned <laughs> for things first so uh, i think it would only be fair actually to let matt go first this time and, and then to hear from jack okay sure because otherwise i think if, if matt goes second both times he'll be fresh in my mind sure
2: okay, great. okay. right in that case three two one ollie you know what you said, you know, you had a lot of high praise for my film. Yes, there were certain aspects about it that, you know, you, you maybe disagreed with, uh, the openness of the sexuality, for example. But I can promise you these are minor hiccups in a groundbreaking, thought-provoking, um, and just incredible bit of drama. You know, it's theatrical, it's grandiose, it's, it's stuff in a period drama you've never seen before. It's unique, it's one that's going to really tickle your fancy time. Okay, lots to think about. Lots to think about. And now, allow me to convince you. Three, two, one. Okay, Ollie, I know there's plenty about this film that is drawing you towards it. I know you can't resist the thought of I can't of Timothy Chalamet wearing a dress disguised in droid manner. I know it's a very intriguing thought. Wouldn't he make the most handsome Elizabeth you've ever seen in your life? And also Despite that, as a complete side note, this contains so much about the history of an incredible product which will revolutionize the world that these characters are living in.
3: Time. Well, you both make a very convincing case. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll rephrase. You both make an equally convincing case.
2: (laughs) 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 So, you've heard everything we have to say. Ollie man on season one oh my god I've already messed it up <laughs> on season two episode one of Mockbusters
3: who have you chosen as this week's Mockbuster on reflection night I'm going to stick with my initial instinct actually I'm choosing Jack
2: yes thank you oh my god I'm finally on the up and up again this has been uh, this, I really needed this I can't tell you Ollie how much I needed this Look at Matt. Oh, I'll, I'll be worried when you've got five wins.
3: Oh, okay. I'm sorry, Matt. I just, I felt that, Matt, you, you'd thrown everything at it. um, And, you know, your willingness to turn it into an obviously very weak franchise.
2: <laughs> was that that <laughs> was the final nail confidence. in the coffin. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, if, in the purity of the film as, as an hour and a half so of if, entertainment. if
2: I'd just said, absolutely not, no sequels will be made whatsoever
3: well, you know, that's not our intention at this stage. It's a self-contained story based (laughs) on a classic novel. I'd have gone with it. Okay, But I I just thought, no, you're being far too cynical. Uh, Whereas Jax, you know, I could see the issues, but I think the fact that you were saying something quite important about women's sanitary wear, as well as rooting it in a setting that we can all identify with, you know, the country house, there's a lot to explore there, and it didn't feel like you were reaching beyond the limits of your brief there. I felt like I... I sort of knew what I was going to get out of that hour and a half, and I would probably enjoy it. For example, on an aeroplane or at two o'clock in the morning on Netflix.
2: (laughs) Okay, well, we'll definitely put that on the box. (laughs) Perfect for a perfect for an aeroplane where you're trapped in a steel container, flying at hundreds of miles an hour, and you've got nothing. You want to take your mind off death?
3: This is a three star way to divert you. Wow!
2: (laughs) So it's it's only marginally better than death. I'm afraid so. <laughs> I mean, someone had to judge it. Marginally better than death. That's going on the poster. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us this week, Ollie. Yeah, and thanks, Ollie. Honestly, it's it's been so much fun to, to chat to you, Ollie. Um, is there anything that you'd like to uh, you'd like anyone to listen to that you've got coming up, or would you like to plug your socials? or anything like that uh
3: you know if you've got this far into the podcast then um <laughs> you'd probably enjoy my work <laughs> so uh yeah you can see everything that i do on my website which is ollieman.com
2: and you can find ollie on uh twitter at, at ollie Man. guess what yeah my name yeah you've, you've you've managed you've locked down all of the really good no numbers involved here you've got no. you've got all of
3: them advantages of being early and immediate you see. <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: absolutely you can find answer me this at helen and ollie And you can find The Modern Man at The Modern Man.
3: It's all very simple. With two ends, It's a pun on my name.
2: Conversely, if you have any title suggestions, genre selections, anything whatsoever, if you just want to get in touch, please follow us on all the socials at MockbustersPod or drop us an email, MockbustersPodcast at gmail.com. And if you're enjoying the show, please remember to give us a subscribe and uh, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I've been Matthew Biddulph. I've been Jack Ayres and we've been joined by... Oli Ban. Great. Thank you so much, Ollie. We'll see you all soon. Ta-ra! <laughs> Goodbye.